Good morning. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here. And I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Jonah. If you want to look on your phone to the book of Jonah. Um, also, some of the verses we're going to be looking at today are in the bulletin. If you want to, there's a place to take notes there as well. So we're starting Christmas with Jonah. That's what we're doing today. And we're going to spend this Advent season. So Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. I'm studying this short book. It's only four chapters, but it is a fantastic story. It's an amazing, amazing story. Um, and it's surprising to me how simple uh, the story is. It's simple enough for kids to listen, to get it, to kind of be into it. But it's also deep enough to challenge all of us to grow closer to God and to deepen our relationship with him. Um, the book is challenging also for people who don't believe in God or who believe that God either doesn't or can't operate in the midst of the world. So there's some stuff that goes on in this book, and some people look at it and go, well, there's just no way that's possible. Uh, and so um, we're going to address some of these topics as we go through the four chapters of this book leading up to Christmas. Um, and today we're going to start with chapter 1. And we're starting with chapter 1. We're going to see what this chapter says, and then we're going to talk a little about what it means for us today. The first four verses are in your bulletin. I'm also going to put them on the screen as we look at them. Um, we're going to start off by just reading verses 1 and 2. So read this along with me. This is God's word. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. So we want to stop and just ask ourselves, okay, who is Jonah, the son of Amittai? And we find out from the Bible, from this book and others, that Jonah is a prophet. Okay, so he was a man sent by God. And prophets during that time, they were a combination of maybe ambassadors and lawyers. Okay, so put ambassador and lawyer together. Um, they came representing God. They came speaking for God. Uh, and they typically were sent at a time when God's people or the people around God's people that were interacting with God's people um, needed to be cross-examined and prosecuted because they were doing things that had broken their covenant relationship with God. And so, um, so we hear a little bit more about Jonah in one other book of the Bible, okay, in the book of 2 Kings. And so let me show you just a few verses there. This is what it says, and it brings up Jonah at the end. And so... Uh, it tells us a little bit more about what was going on at the time of Jonah. It says, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel at the time. Uh, and he reigned 41 years. That's a long time. That's 10 presidential terms um, plus one year. Yeah, thanks, math major. Um, he restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant uh, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet. So here's Jonah showing up during the reign of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Okay? And then it says this. This is incredibly important for us to understand the book of Jonah. It says, For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. And so during this time, Israel was in bitter affliction. Um, they had been conquered, and there was no one to help them. Now, who did this to them? During this time of Jonah, during the time of Jeroboam, who did this to Israel. It was the nation of Assyria. The nation of Assyria. 
Assyria had conquered Israel and was ruling over them, and they had been extracting tribute from them for an entire generation already. Why does this matter? Well, it's because of the capital of Assyria. The capital of Assyria was a city named Nineveh. It's a city named Nineveh. And so they, the Ninevites, they were the enslavers of Israel. They were the heavy taxers of Israel. And so think about it like this, trying to create some sort of modern-day occurrence of this. Think about if China declared war on the U.S. and unveiled this incredibly enormous army, came over, attacked us, and conquered us. And so that we had significant numbers of occupying troops from the Chinese in every major city in our country. And then they levied a 30% income tax on top of every tax that we already pay to keep our own government running. I mean, that would be absolutely crippling, wouldn't it? I mean, it would change everything about the way life is. And so... God's word comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. So he's saying, I want you now to go to the capital of China, right, if that were to happen to us. He's saying, go to the capital of Assyria. And I've got to tell you that the Assyrians, they were evil. They were evil. Uh, They were wicked. They were oppressive. And they were brutal. They massacred their enemies. They mutilated their prisoners of war. And they were known to dismember, to decapitate, and to burn people alive. Now, what is God telling Jonah to go and to tell Nineveh? Well, verse 2 tells us this. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So if you're Jonah, right, prophet in Israel, you're thinking, hey, bad news for them, but good news for us, right? If God says, hey, I'm going to go take out your enemies, you're thinking, hallelujah, you're thinking, man, it's about time. I mean, maybe you wouldn't say that to God, but you might be thinking it in your heart, like, wow, like it's been a long time that we've been dealing with this, right? God sees the evil that Assyria has done to us. And God is saying, look, I've seen them, and I'm going to send you because I'm about to destroy them. So go, call judgment. Let them know God did this so that everyone would know that he was God. And that, that, that the, the times and that nations rise and fall, that he is king over all the nations. And so, if you were anyone in Israel, this would have been gospel for you. This would have been great, amazing, thrilling news. Talk about good news of great joy. Finally, our oppressors, the tyrants that are stealing our money, that are taking all of our stuff, that are keeping us under their thumb and worse in chains, they're finally going to be destroyed Jonah, get the heck to Nineveh. Verse 3. But, that's not good. But, but, wait a minute, but, should be and. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Well, 
Where's Tarshish? Because you might not understand what this means yet. So where's Tarshish? Well, I want to show you. Okay, here's the map. All right, Joppa is in the nation of Israel. God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Nineveh is 550 miles to the east, right? So if God were saying, look, I want you to go to Flagstaff, Arizona from San Diego, or maybe or just or San Francisco might be a better, you might have a sense of where San Francisco is, right? Go to San Francisco, Jonah, to that great city. And instead, Tarshish, though, is... 2,500 miles to the west, right? So not just the opposite direction, but five times farther in the opposite direction, right? So Jonah, go to San Francisco, and Jonah gets on the hornblower and sails to Hawaii. That's what's going on. What's the deal? What's he doing? Like, what? What? Huh? Wait a minute. Jonah, good news. Great joy. Go destroy the Ninevites. Tell them they're going to get theirs. Tell them our God's going to kill them. And Jonah ups and runs the other way. What's going on here? What is, I mean, literally, what is happening here? I mean, geographically, it's so clear. And yet the geography actually shows us something that's in the text. That the geography shows us what's going on inside of Jonah's heart. Okay, it shows what's what's going on inside of Jonah's heart. Because verse 3 says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. It says it twice in one verse. The beginning of verse 3, away from the presence of the Lord. The end of verse 3, away from the presence of the Lord. They're making a point. This is like, highlighting. This is slamming it on your iPhone, right? This is away from the presence of the Lord. So so Jonah here, he's running away from delivering the message of judgment to Israel's worst enemy. Every child who heard the story of Jonah, as they're listening to their mom or their dad tell the story, they would be like, what? Wait, you, you said that wrong. Right? No, no, mom, you, you didn't say it right. No, no, Tarshish is the other way. Wait, wait what's going on here? Jonah, he's crazy. He's an idiot. Wait, wait, what's he doing? Every child, anybody, everybody wanted Assyria and the Ninevites to be destroyed. And so why is he doing this? Why is he running the other way? We have no idea. Doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us. All it says is that he's running away from God. Clearly, there's something going on here in Jonah's heart. Clearly, there's something that is causing Jonah to turn tail and go in the exact opposite direction. And not just to leave this mission, but to leave God. And so what he's saying here, we don't know why, but what, he, but what he's saying here is he's saying, God, I don't want you anymore. I'm out of here. No more worship, no more relationship, no more speaking on your behalf, no more obedience. I've had it. I'm gone. What are the things in your life that maybe push you to want to run away from the presence of God? 
I mean, we have no idea what's going on inside of Jonah. We have no idea what's motivating his behavior right now. But I know in my own heart, there are things that cause me to say, God, I don't want to think about you right now. There are things that I would rather do and not deal with God while I'm doing them. Um, There are people that are challenging for me to love. Um, And I would much rather not have God over my shoulder saying, Stephen, how much have I loved you? (laughs) Couldn't you please reach out and love this person? Um, What is it for you that causes you to run from the presence of the Lord? So we don't know what's going on with Jonah, but we do know what happens, how God responds. So God's response is in verse 4. It says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And so we're talking about, you know, this is the Mediterranean Sea. Um, This is a sea that still has sometimes torrential storms, winds that blow in excess of 90 miles an hour or more. Um, Those are natural storms, but this is a supernatural storm. This is a storm that God is directly responsible for. And so God sends a storm really to show ultimately everyone that he is in control and he wants Jonah back. Uh, Jonah runs away from God and God speaks to Jonah through the storm saying, you can't run away from me. I'm coming after you. This is what God does for his children. This is what God does for the people that he loves. When his children disobey, he disciplines them. And in Hebrews 12, he says that that still happens to us sometimes today. Let me share with you some of Hebrews 12, verse 5 through 11. It says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It's for discipline that you have to endure. So you're going through hard times. He's saying God is disciplining you. Okay, he's disciplining you. Um, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And so there's this reminder um, that when discipline is done properly, it's a reflection of God's own heart for his children. Um, God does this because he cares. He's treating you as sons or daughters of his. It goes on. If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And so I know that a lot of you have experienced this. I know that you've seen this in other people. You think, wait a second, hold on. If I run away from God and my life falls apart, then God's disciplining me. But what about all the people who don't seem to care at all what God thinks or run off and do whatever they want to do and nothing bad happens to them? Like, that's not fair. Why does God seem to remind me all the time? Why is it that every time when I'm living in sin personally and I go to pray, I feel God going, hey, Stephen, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Are we going to talk about this or not? Like, God, can't we just right? Life falls apart and you're like, wait a minute, why is it so bad for me and not for them? Well, this verse says, if you are left without discipline, if you can sin without God doing anything, that's not good news. 
if you can walk away from God and God seems to just be content to let you go, he doesn't do that for his children. And so this catches us up short. But the passage goes on. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Maybe not in the moment. Maybe not while the spanking is happening. Um, But there's a respect that children have where they realize over time, this is good for me. Um, It is right for me to be corrected. My heart actually shouldn't be trusted. And I should not be allowed to simply do whatever it is I want to do at any point in time. Uh, We respect our parents who discipline us. So shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. And I kind of like this. He's like, yeah, not all the parents always do the right thing when it comes to discipline. Right? Some parents go over the line. Some parents discipline in anger, which is wrong and sinful. Um, but then, and some parents don't, they think they're doing the right thing, but they're really not. But it seemed best to them. However, God, he disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. So God disciplines us so that we become more like Jesus. So that from the inside out, we change and grow. Uh, And this is what God does. And then it even says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So let's just, you know, Captain Obvious. Um, But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so here's the crux. It's painful now. It's difficult now. It's frustrating now. It feels like your freedom is being taken away from you now. It feels like you're being squished into this mold that God wants you to live in now. And yet, later, it's going to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so righteousness is this ability to act in a way that it's like, it's like the life that everybody wants. It's the ability to react in the way that is most wise, that is most influential, that is most powerful, and that produces peace, like real peace. When you're living off of God's path, there's this sort of latent guilt uh, that sometimes plagues us. We kind of know we're not doing the right thing, but we sort of push it down. We ignore it. We try to put it in the closet. We sweep it under the rug. Uh, And yet what this does, the ability to take the discipline of God and to stay faithful to him, it gives us peace and it gives us righteousness if we're willing to be trained by it. And that's the decision that you have, that I have. So let me ask you again, are you running from God? And is God sending some kind of storm to bring you back? God is a loving father and he does not want to let us go. God has a plan for our life. Um, He doesn't want us to live anything less than a glorious life of worship, of influence, of community, of strength. God wants your life to have a wake behind you, that behind you, people would be blessed because they know you. People would know God and see God because of you. This is what God's desire is for your life And sometimes he sends us storms to bring us back to that purpose. So the question is, who's going to be trained by this storm? Right? That's the question for us. It's also the question for Jonah. 
and the sailors in the ship. Uh, the responses on board are very, very diverse. Okay, the sailors, they freak out. Um, they say, ah, oh, I mean, they start calling on their gods. Um, they cried out to their gods, but nothing changed. They started hurling their cargo off the ship, right? These merchant ships made money, and they're like, okay, it's either the money or it's our lives. We're going to take our lives. So they start throwing stuff off because the lighter the ship, the higher up in the, in the water it sails, the less likely it is to sink and to take water on board. And so they're throwing stuff off, but that's not working. Um, and then they, they, they cast lots, which this was an ancient practice. Sometimes it was done in Israel. Sometimes it was done. It's kind of like throwing dice, but you get to ask the gods or fate or God a question. And then you roll the dice and there's sort of a yes, no answer. I'm not exactly sure how it works. You know, scholars don't really know. We don't have the lots that they cast. But so you cast lots. It's like, okay, God. And, and they ask the gods. They ask their gods. They ask fate. They say, okay, who's responsible for this? Like they're at the point where they're like, we know someone did something. Last week, we realized that's not always the case with Job, but in this case, they're absolutely right. And so they're like, is it me? And they roll the dice. They get no. Is it him? They roll the dice. No. And they go through all the sailors. No, 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 no. Wait, is it that new guy that just showed up right before the ship left? Yes. The lot falls on Jonah. And they're like, okay, wait, wait, let's get him. Where is he? Well, yeah, he... I don't know, where is he? Like, everybody's, like, helping. Everyone's trying to keep the ship afloat. And they're like, where's Jonah? And they go, oh, I know where he is. He went down below deck, and he is fast asleep. So the sailors are freaking out. They're trying to live, and Jonah sees the storm coming, probably rolls his eyes and goes, oh, great, this is how God is goes down below deck and hitches up a bunk, goes to sleep. Everyone else is afraid they're going to die, but Jonah doesn't care about living, nor does he care about anyone else. Maybe he's trying to escape reality by going to sleep, but he doesn't care that the entire ship is suffering because of him. He doesn't care that the whole ship and all of its passengers and its crew are going to die because he is running away from God. And why is Jonah doing this, by, by the way? Like, why is he doing this? Why is he running away from delivering the best news in the world to the arch enemies of his people, and now he's subjecting the entire ship and all of its crew to death? We don't know. We don't know. Maybe if we read on, we'll find out, but I'm not sure. Because um, we just don't know now. So the captain finds Jonah below the deck, and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get up, call on your God. Maybe your God will end this storm. And so Jonah's like, ah, he gets out, he goes up deck. Um, and it's just, it's important for us. You know, it's like, as you read a story like this, you want to stop and go, oh, that's, something that might apply to our lives today. But just this idea that Jonah's running from God because we think, you know what? I make my own decisions. I do my own thing. I'm not hurting anybody else, right? We think, oh, you know what? I'm not hurting anybody else and nobody else is affected by this. And I think Jonah is just reminding us that when we're running away from God, 
there are times that we can drag other people down with us. Uh, There's people who are around us, who are affected by us, that our actions do mean something. They mean something to God. They have an impact on our own life, but they also affect the lives of the people who are around us. We need to be reminded about this. When we abdicate our relationship with God, when we check out the people that we know, the people that care about us, the people that uh, we do life with, they get affected. They get affected. Um, Husbands, when you abdicate your walk with God, when you don't bring your walk with God into your marriage, your wife is affected. Fathers, when your relationship with God does not affect the relationship that you have with your children, they are missing out. Um, Wives, mothers, it's the same thing. Um, As an employee, wherever you work, if you are not a Christian, I'm not talking about shoving the Bible down people's throats. I'm not talking about being obnoxious or annoying. I'm just talking about being honest that you have a relationship with God and that you would live your life in a way that shows that you actually want to live for God. That's what we're talking about. It's just being honest that you have a relationship with God and you want to just be open about the way that God cares about you, the way that God blesses you, even the way that God might be disciplining you, um, if that's appropriate. Now, when Jonah gets up on deck, uh, he does come clean. He comes clean. He says to the people, look, he said, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the sailors freaked out again. They're like, oh, crap. Like, what is this that you've done? Like, what are you, what have you done? Like, don't you realize that we're all going to die because of you? Because um, Jonah told them that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He told them, okay, yeah, I, I worship this God. <laughs> worship, kind of, not really. Um, and so the sailors ask him, like, well, Jonah, what do we do? Like, what are we going to do here? Waves are crashing. The boat's filling up. We're about to sink. The storm's not going anywhere. It's getting worse. What should we do? And Jonah says, throw me overboard. Throw me overboard and the sea will calm down. Kill me and you'll be fine. And the sailors are kind of like, uh, no. Wait, you're telling us that your God, you're a prophet of this God. He sent this storm. He's this powerful. He's in this much control. We can do nothing. And you want us to kill his prophet? No. No, we're not doing that. And so they get out the, ro- the oars. And they're rowing with all of their might. A big team rowing. Oh, row, row, row. Um, I'm thinking like Ben-Hur, right? That scene where they're rowing, you know, 41, he's there. And um, I mean, they're trying to get back to the shore because they're like, look, anything that we can do to try to save us and save this prophet of the real God who has sent this storm, we're in. We're not going to kill him. And so they try, they do all that they can, and it does not work. They rode hard to get back to land. They could not because the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. 
And so what do they say? They call out to the Lord. They call out to Jonah's God, right? They call out to the God whose name is Yahweh. Okay, this is the name of the God of Israel, the only God who had this name. They call out to Jonah's God and they said, Oh God, oh Lord, please don't hurt us. We're going to do what your prophet told us to do. Please don't hold this against us. He told us to do this. We're about to do this. Please don't punish us for his death. Okay? (laughs) And they don't hear anything. But then they took Jonah. They took Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased. It's raging. The storm stopped. The storm stopped. Now, what just happened? Jonah is thrown into the sea to drown. Jonah was faced with a decision, right? Jonah knew that he was running away from the Lord. He knew that he was living in sin. He was making conscious decisions to avoid God and to avoid God's ways. And when he was finally confronted with it, Jonah had the choice. He could get rid of the sin in one of two ways. He could kill himself, right? He could ask him to throw him overboard so he would die. That way he, along with his sin, would perish. Or he could do what every Israelite knew was open to them anytime they had any sin that they were dealing with. He could confess it to God and ask for forgiveness. This is the thing with sin. Sin's going to get punished. Sin brings storms of judgment. You can either keep your sin and endure the judgment yourself. Or you can confess your sin and God will forgive you. And Jonah knows this. Jonah knows the heart of God. Jonah knows this and Jonah in the moment chooses to die. Do you have anybody in your life that is making some bad decisions. And when you go to them and lovingly entreat them to make different decisions, to come back to God, it feels like they just do this. La, 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 la. I mean, I mean, they don't literally do that, right? But no matter what you say, no matter how you come to them, They just don't want God. This was Jonah's choice. He was hurled into the sea, left dead to drown, and the sea was calm. Well, the sailors on the ship, they... (laughs) found religion right away. Actually, they didn't find religion. They found a relationship with the true and living God. 
Um, they were shocked and amazed. I mean, what they had thought, you know, was confirmed. They realized that Jonah's God is the real God, is the true God. And they bowed down and worshiped him. They offered a sacrifice to Jonah's God and they made vows to him. So the sailors turned and they worshiped God. But Jonah rejected God unto his own death. <clears throat> so Jonah rejects God. God comes after him. Jonah continues to reject God and ultimately chooses death rather than to turn around. And this is where the chapter should end. Like this is where the chapter, like the section ends in the story. Um, there's three more chapters. And so you have to come back next week to find out what happens next. Um, but this is a really important place to stop because it's important for us to realize that this actually is the story of so many people. It's a story of so many people who have been given a life that's designed for them to know God and to find him. It's designed for them to walk with God and to experience God's peace and his joy. It's to experience the assurance that the God who made the world and everything in it made you, cares about you, wants you to know his love, experience his love, and to have a life where you walk with him. This is a God who doesn't just throw rules at you because he's mean and he wants to be a control freak. This is a God who wants you to truly thrive. God wants you to have a life that you can be proud of at the end. God wants you to have a life that is free from regrets, that is full of significance and impact and influence. This is God's design for you and all of his commands all of his ways keep you on the path that makes you have the biggest impact for eternity. And tragically, tragically, so many people reject God and run away from his presence. And Jonah shows us ultimately where it leads. It leads to a life full of storms and ultimately, it's choosing to hold on to your sin instead of holding on to God. So what keeps you, again, it's the same question, what keeps you from following God? What makes you run away from him? Um, for some of you, maybe physically, this is why you're in San Diego. Maybe you're running away from something. Um, for others of us, like maybe it's not physically running, but you're running away from God in your heart because you don't want to give up something. I was talking to a good friend of mine recently who just flat out said, look, if God wants me to stop having sex, then I don't want him. It's like, I can't do that. And I said, well, I agree with you. You can't do it on your own. Um, but this is why we celebrate Christmas. Like This is why Christmas has come. Because if we step back and look at the bigger picture of this section of the story of Jonah, it actually shows us a little bit more about Christmas. Because Jonah is the prophet who ran away from God and God's mission. 
But Jesus, the one we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus is the one who was more than a prophet, who is actually God running to us. With Jonah in disciplinary anger, God sends a storm. But at Christmas, we see that God in loving, chasing, shepherding comes running after us. And so if you've been like Jonah, then I want to tell you that right now, Jesus is God running after you. Not necessarily a storm, but one who loves and will forgive and will bring you back and empower you. Jonah died because of his sins. Christmas leads to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Jonah gave his life in stubborn anger toward God. And the boatload of sailors were saved. But Jesus gave his life in love for God and us so that we might be saved. This is Christmas. This is Christmas in some ways implicit in the cry of Israel's heart would be, oh, I wish we had a prophet who would do what God said. I wish we had a prophet who would follow God and lead us back to God. And in Christmas, that promise comes true in Jesus. Jesus comes fulfilling God's promises, making all of the prophecies and the promises of God come true. Friends, we're, we're just starting with Jonah. Um, God is just starting with Jonah. And maybe God is just starting now with you. Um, if you're running, come back to Jesus. Find in him love, acceptance, forgiveness, and a plan for your life that is so much better than anything you could do without him. Let's pray. God, we're struck um, and convicted by the stubborn rebellion of Jonah. Uh, and we pray that you would show us in our own hearts the areas of our lives when we have been running from you. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for Christmas that reminds us how different you are from Jonah. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to us when we've run from you. Jesus, would you lead every one of us here today back into your presence in a deeper and fuller way. Help us with anything that we're holding back to give it to you, to let it go, and to come back to you and accept your will and your ways. Jesus, if there's anything that you are telling us that we should do and we have not wanted to do that, would you forgive us and put us back on the path? Jesus, give us the strength we need to commit and help us to have the community of people with us to help us stay on the path of following you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.